What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What is up, divers? Welcome to Deep Dive Fantasy Football. It is finally here. Today is the day. This week is the week. The finals are upon us. And you're tilting. I'm tilting. We are tilting together. I'm sure we are all tilting on start-sit decisions. Hopefully today I will be able to help you tilt to a certain side and help you make that decision to win your finals matchup this week. I'm excited, uh, you know, to not only finish the season and finally find out how many leagues I'm winning, find out how many leagues you guys are winning and let me know. I I love to hear updates from you guys, from the listeners on where they're at, if they won, what happened in that, in that scenario. And, um, not only that, but I'm also super excited to get into all the off season stuff because the next time you guys hear me after this podcast on Tuesday, and by the way, I'm going to go to Tuesday, Friday podcast instead of Tuesday, Thursday, since the off season will be starting, technically, like the fantasy off season, um, so I'll be Tuesdays and Fridays. But I'm excited because the next time you guys hear me on Tuesday, I will be talking about something completely different. It's not going to be just your regular recap. I'm gonna just bring in a whole bunch of stuff that I've been looking, looking into, doing research on already. So I'm excited there too. But with that said, I do have to go over the Steelers Bengals game, right? We didn't go over it yet, and. There's definitely some stuff to talk about here. Deontay Johnson bounced right back to his elite targets. He got 13. He is still the wide receiver to own for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Eric Ebron got hurt and killed Fantasy Dreams with zero points. I know a couple of you guys had messaged me saying that you needed between two and five points from Eric Ebron. I told you guys, don't worry about it. You know, that's a lock. You're good. You won. Apparently, um... My jinxing skills are just as good as the broadcasters when they tell you how many times a kicker has made a field goal in a row, because every time the kicker misses when they say that, and uh, yeah, I guess that's my bad for jinxing everyone with the Eric Ebron thing, but yeah, he got hurt, killed some fantasy dreams, and and not only did he do that, but also Juju, not off the back of injury, but a bad performance, and he only had 2.5 points. I know a lot of people needed between 5 and 10 that were messaging me and he didn't come through either, so super rough day for anyone relying on Steelers other than Deontay Johnson, because um, even Big Ben didn't come through. Chase Claypool, he's getting the targets, but he's not producing with them. At least in this game, he wasn't. He's been all right during the season. Eight targets, three receptions, 54 yards. This is four games straight for Chase Claypool with single digits in PPR leagues. You cannot play Chase Claypool, especially if you are still alive in the finals. You cannot play this man. Big Ben, he is looking pretty old, guys. He is, and it'll be interesting to see what the Steelers do with the quarterback situation moving forward, and that's definitely something that matters for the dynasty situation, because Juju's going to be a free agent, so it's possible that Deontay Johnson, if Juju leaves, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are that receiving room for fantasy, which would be awesome for both of them, but that depends on who the quarterback is. You know, if Big Ben's back, all right, they'll be good still, but if they bring in somebody, either free agency or, I mean, draft-wise, it's going to be pretty hard because they have a really good record. They're not going to be able to get one of the top guys. And I don't think this class really has the type of Jalen Hurts 
or Lamar Jackson type of potential guys that you can get either at the back end of the first or top end of the second. That could be really good. I don't see that happening. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But nevertheless, Big Ben's looking pretty old. And then on the other side of the ball, Zach Taylor unlocked Ryan Finley's rushing skills to win this game. And Giovanni finally performed when everyone sat him. He was very inefficient, but he did get two touchdowns. But the biggest thing I took away from this game from the Bengals' side of the ball, is T. Higgins. The Bengals only threw the ball 13 times. We know, and everyone that watched knows Tyler Boyd got hurt pretty early on in that game with the concussion, and T. uh, T. Higgins was the offense. Six targets of 13 pass attempts. So that's almost a 50% target share. Now, do I expect that to continue into this next week? No, but he might be in the 30% target share range, and that will be amazing, especially for somebody... That is as efficient as T. Higgins, both with, you know, just winning 50-50 balls, but also, you know, how deep he is downfield with his targets, his potential to get touchdowns, and he has a super easy matchup versus Houston in the finals. So I am completely, completely confident starting T. Higgins in the finals if you need to. With that said, that that's really wraps up that game for me, and now I can get into the starts and DFS plays, and we are starting with my very own... Tom Brady for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Lions. He's going to be a good start. Is it possible that the Bucs end up going to the run game and that's how they get their touchdowns? Yes, but is it likely? Probably not. So I really like, especially because Ronald Jones is probably going to be out again. And like we talked about in the game recaps, Leonard Fournette's touchdowns were BS. One was a pass interference call in the end zone that got him to the one-yard line. Another one was a whole bunch of like failed attempts that got to the one-yard line, and then he finally got it in. So I don't expect Leonard Fournette to just be the main focus or the, the first decision by Bruce Arians and Leftwich to, you know, try and get into the end zone. So I think Brady's going to have a great day versus the Lions. They have a bad defense. The Bucks are trying to hit their stride going into the playoffs. I really like Brady versus the Lions. I also like Justin Jefferson a lot versus the Saints. Justin Jefferson has been great in all facets of the game, but he has also been very good versus man coverage. And Kirk Cousins is actually the most accurate or the quarterback with the best quarterback rating versus man coverage in the last year in the NFL. And what did the Saints do? They play man coverage a lot. And Marshawn Lattimore, he might be on Justin Jefferson. He might be on Adam Thielen. But I think it's more likely Justin Jefferson is not having to deal with him too much. And Jefferson has been great. Kirk has been great versus man coverage. I like this matchup versus the Saints. Jefferson is set up for a good day. Emmanuel Sanders on the other side of the ball is also set up for a good day. I was not expecting Sanders to do much versus the Chiefs last week because the Chiefs have not been a favorable matchup for wide receivers, which is always weird because people initially think the Chiefs, oh, their defense isn't great and their offense puts up so much points that the opposing team is going to have to be in a deficit and throw the ball to get out of it, the receiver should be great. But last year and this year, they have not been a a great matchup for wide receivers. So I wasn't expecting Emmanuel Sanders to do much, and he didn't versus them. But versus the Vikings, with Michael Thomas still on IR for the rest of the regular season, and Jared Cook and Emmanuel Sanders and Alvin Kamara being the only three really go-to guys for Breeze, I do expect a bounce back for Sanders because Sanders started slow in the beginning of the season, but he started coming on. Um, later and later into the season when Michael Thomas continued to be out and Sanders finally started building that chemistry with Breeze. I expect us to see that chemistry versus the Vikings. Horrible secondary. Then Salvin Ahmed, if Gaskin is out, it's very possible that Gaskin will be active. If 
if Gaskin is active, then I'm not going to be confident starting either of them because I don't know how the workload is going to be split among them. But if Gaskin is out, I really like Ahmed versus the Raiders. T. Higgins versus the Texans, we were just talking about him. You guys know why I like him. He's set up for a huge target share versus a bad defense in the Texans who allow a lot of points to the fantasy wide receiver. David Johnson versus the Bengals. And that's not the only person in that game either. Also, Giovanni Bernard versus the Texans. So that Texans-Bengals game, for me, has three people. T. Higgins, David Johnson, Giovanni Bernard. David Johnson got 11 targets. Do I expect that to continue? No. But I do expect him to get a lot of touches versus the Bengals. And then Giovanni Bernard, I also expect to get a lot of touches versus the Texans. And here's something interesting about the Texans' defense. They only have one game on the season with under double digits allowed to starting running backs in fantasy football. So I really like Giovanni Bernard versus the Texans. He is pretty much a lock in PPR for at least 12 points. So I really like Bernard. Then we have a couple more. Baker Mayfield versus the Jets. The Jets are better against the run than people realize, and Baker Mayfield is playing on fire right now. I do think they are going to destroy the Jets, but I think it's going to be through the air and with Baker Mayfield's arm, so that's why I like Mayfield in this matchup. Justin Herbert versus the Broncos. He has been great. I'm just saying this to instill confidence in you. I do think he's going to have a great day versus the Broncos. We just watched Josh Allen carve them up. I think Herbert will do the same, especially with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen being more healthy than they were versus the Raiders. J.D. McKissick versus the Panthers. Logan Thomas versus the Panthers. Both of them are set up for good days versus a defense that has been lacking recently. And J.D. McKissick is going to get a whole bunch of receiving work. Logan Thomas is has been great. I mean, I believe it was 13 targets and like 10 receptions last week. He is pretty much a top five tight end at this point. And you, you got to start him. Unless you have pretty much the only people I'd start over him. Unless you have Waller or, or Kelsey. Those are the only people I would start over Logan Thomas. I would start Logan Thomas over Kittle if Kittle plays. And that's only because I, you know, when somebody's coming off a huge absence because of injury, I'm not always bought into starting them on their first game back. And if you have a good a good option like Thomas, I would play him over Kittle. So that's just showing you the confidence I have in Thomas this week. Jalen Hurts versus the Cowboys. He has been insane. His legs give him a high floor, a high ceiling, everything you want in a fantasy quarterback. One of my magic ingredients for the fantasy quarterback to have top three or QB1 potential, like the number one quarterback potential during the offseason that I talk about, the biggest ingredient is rushing ability. Okay, we have not seen a quarterback be elite in fantasy without rushing ability in a long time. Mahomes was the most elite quarterback with you know the least amount of rushing we've seen in a while, and he still ran the ball like 250 yards on that season that he was crazy elite and had a couple touchdowns so you need the rushing ability and not only does Hertz have it but he has it in spades so he's on that Kyler Murray level where he's running a lot but has a good arm as well I really like Hertz versus the Cowboys defense and then lastly for my starts Robert Woods and Cooper Cup start them both versus the Seahawks allowing the most points to the fantasy wide receiver and the Rams didn't look good versus the Jets but my theory is because they've been practicing to go against this Seahawks team for the last two weeks so I think they're going to come into this game ready I don't know why my phone is making noises I don't know if you can hear that um and I think Woods and Cup are going to go off versus the Seahawks because their secondary is a huge weakness for them now we got some sits Kenyon Drake versus the 49ers Chase Edmonds is looking good getting touches Kenyon Drake's not looking as good anymore Kyler Murray's also getting his rushing ability back Kenyon Drake has been good 
during you know the last few four or five weeks and it was during the time Kyler Murray had kind of taken a dip a little bit from what he was doing in the beginning of the season why because it was after that game where Kyler Murray got slammed on his shoulder and all of a sudden he hadn't looked the same he wasn't running as much probably just protecting his body letting his shoulder heal up trying to minimize hits and that's when Kenyon Drake started going off. Now Kyler's running again. He had his rushing touchdown last week. It seems like he's fully healthy. And all of a sudden, Kenyon Drake didn't have a good day. So if that is the common denominator, you know, whether Kyler's healthy and going to run or not, then with that being the case, that means you got to sit Kenyon Drake this week versus the 49ers. And they're also 27th, the 27th worst matchup or allowing the 27th amount of points to the running back. So horrible matchup against the 49ers. James Robinson versus the Bears. This is more DFS and sit if you can. If you have like really good options, then you can sit James Robinson. It might be hard though because let's face it, we've all dealt with so much injuries at this point in this season. It's ridiculous. But in DFS, I'm pivoting away from James Robinson versus the Bears because like I said, he would have had six points last week if it wasn't for that one touchdown catch which was down the sideline beautiful over the shoulder pass by Gardner Minshew not something that is like part of their game plan normally and it's not something you can rely on so and it's not like they were just like you know eight yards out from the goal line or very close to the end zone and they prioritized getting James Robinson the ball in the receiving game it was just a wheel route that worked out really well for them so you can't rely on that James Robinson versus the Bears is probably going to be in a negative game script I expect the Bears to be winning this game and if so it's going to be hard for Robinson to get too many touches and even the touches he's getting I'm sure the Bears number one focus is going to be James Robinson so it's a tough game for him then DeAndre Swift versus the Bucks sit if possible you might not be able to but definitely pivot away from him in DFS just like James Robinson because Matt Stafford might not play, be playing in this game versus the Bucks. If Matt Stafford is not playing, the Bucks are already one of the worst matchups for fantasy running backs. And now you remove Stafford from the equation, DeAndre Swift is going to be the number one focus of that defense. And then they can just stick Carlton Davis on Marvin Jones, and all of a sudden that offense is not moving anywhere. And DeAndre Swift loses all his touchdown potential, and it might even be hard for him to just get a bunch of receiving work because him and Marvin Jones are probably going to be the number one and number two uh, targets for the defense to stop. Because even though you guys know I love TJ Hawkinson, he's not somebody who's pulling in 10 targets a game. So the defense might not feel inclined to worry about him as much. Plus, Levante David is plenty good in coverage and he can run with TJ Hawkinson. So I think the Bucks defense matches up very well versus this Detroit Lions offense with linebackers in Devin White and Levante David to go against Swift in the run game. And then in the pass game, you have Levante David on TJ Hogginson, Marvin Jones covered by Carlton Davis. And boom, with like, it's that's it. That's a wrap. You know, there's not much that the Lions offense is going to be able to do without Stafford if he doesn't play. And I don't expect him to play. If he does play, I would still try to stay away from Swift, but I would be more hopeful. And I personally, actually, in one of my finals, I have to start him because I have Mixon and McCaffrey both out this week so and I have Kenyon Drake and I'm not going to start Kenyon Drake so I actually have to play Swift in one so you know you can take uh what is it solace is that the word I'm looking for you could take solace in the fact that I have to start him somewhere so if you have to start him you know we'll, we'll start him together Le'Veon Bell versus the Falcons not somebody I'm interested in the Falcons are the 25th hardest matchup for running backs in fantasy and you know some people are going to be excited for Bell they're going to say Clyde is out 
Bell's about to get so many touches. The Falcons suck first running backs usually because they have over, you know, the past three years. They've always been one of the best matchups, but this year that has not been the case. And the Chiefs are going to beat the Falcons, yes, but it's going to be through the air. I don't expect much from Bell at all, and I think it's going to be a little bit of a trap play. Marquise Brown versus the Giants. James Bradbury is coming back off the COVID list for the Giants. He is a very good cover corner. People do not give him enough credit. He will give Marquise Brown fits. Plus, it's a cold game in New York, and Marquise Brown is a very risky person to play, so no thank you on Marquise Brown. If you're going to start him, it's a super, super big risk. I don't risk. I don't think it's worth the reward either because he doesn't have that 30-point ceiling. It doesn't seem like he has this entire season, so I don't think it's worth it. Russell Wilson, sit him if you can versus the Rams. I'm starting Jalen Hurts over Russell Wilson. I'm starting Justin Herbert over Russell Wilson. I'm starting Tom Brady over Russell Wilson. I'm starting so many guys over Russell Wilson. So there's probably somebody going to be available to you either via the waiver wire or already on your team that has a better matchup and better outlook this week than Russell Wilson does versus the Rams. He has struggled versus the Rams. Aaron Donald makes it very tough on that offensive line and on Russell Wilson. And then with Jalen Ramsey on Russell Wilson's favorite elite receiver, favorite target, DK Metcalf, it's very tough for Russell Wilson to move the ball up and down the field with ease. And he's he's struggled in the past for over the, like the last two years versus the Rams. So I'm not starting Russell Wilson if I have any other options, pretty much. And then Chris Carson as well versus the Rams. Once again, just like I told you guys, DeAndre Swift, I have to start him. Chris Carson, I have to start too because in that league... I have, I'm trying to remember, I have so many leagues, guys, it's hard for me to remember, like, the exact details, um, but I do know in the Chris Carson League, it's a deep league, so we have to start a lot of people, and I have Ronald Jones out, I have Antonio Gibson out, he's questionable, but if he plays, I mean, he's probably going to be on a snap count, so don't feel confident in, in Antonio Gibson if he is active this week, and I'm not going to start him, so I'm rolling out Carson, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler as my my three top running backs, because I have uh, the other two out right now. And um, yeah, that's, you know, another person I'm sitting in that game versus the Rams that finishes the start and sits. And we will be right back with five favorite betting lines. What's up, divers? Just taking a quick second to say check out Thrive Fantasy, where you can use my promo code DEEPDIVE and they will match your deposit up to $50. You can bet on over-unders for players' stats, and it's a simple concept to win money. Just do better than half of the opponents and you win. It's a really cool alternative to fantasy football. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, take a second to pause the podcast right here and drop me a rating or review. That's right, pause it right here. Lastly, if you're feeling super generous, you can choose to support the podcast monthly through the link on the episode page or found in the website podcast section. With that being said, as you know, let's get back to the content. All right, guys, welcome back in. Five favorite betting lines. So far, my record in this segment is 11 and 8, and you know, I like this segment. It's fun for me, um, but I would just say take my advice at your own peril, at your own risk, because 11-8 and 8 is decent. It's in the money, and you know I listen to other podcasts, of course. I don't just listen to my own podcast, um, and other podcasts that I listen to, it seems like this is kind of what you're getting when you're taking betting advice. I, I never really see anybody that was crazy accurate, which is why I was like so, so excited when I was eight and two to start after the first two weeks. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the best ever. Uh, Obviously, I knew it was a little bit of beginner's luck, but I thought I might be able to maintain a really high efficient pace. Obviously, that was not the case. But hey, you know, I'm going to keep doing the segment. And if you want to take the advice, if you like my thought process, which I'm always going to give you, then, you know, ride with me. And if not, 
no hard feelings, man. No hard feelings. But let's get into it. Five favorite betting lines, 11-8 and eight record. Let's see if we can go 5-0 and oh this week. The first game I'm taking, Vikings plus 7 versus the Saints for the Vikings to cover. The Saints are favored by 7 in this game. The Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings, and I'm a Bucks fan. Trust me. I, I pay attention to the Saints. The Vikings have the Saints number. 2019, in the playoffs, Saints were favored. Saints had the marketedly better team than the Vikings, and the Vikings knocked them out of the playoffs. 2017, Vikings versus Saints. Saints are favored. Saints have the markedly better team, and the Vikings knocked them out of the playoffs. Both of those games, 2019, 2017, big games that mattered. Playoffs. Vikings knocked out the Saints as underdogs. Kirk Cousins, and even Case Keenum did, and Dalvin Cook play well versus the Saints. And, you know, the, the coaching matchup between the Vikings and the Saints, for some reason, his name escapes me right now, which is super frustrating, but but, but the Minnesota Vikings coach, um, he has, he, he's got Sean Payton some, somehow. Uh, I mean, he knows how to play against Sean Payton. And, um... Yeah, so I I really see the Vikings either winning this game outright versus the Saints, especially with how Breeze looked versus the Chiefs, and that game was not as close as it looks like it was because, you know, that was kind of like a garbage time touchdown at the end. The Chiefs really won that game by 10, so it wasn't like a super close game. So don't be like, oh, the Saints almost beat the Chiefs. They're going to smash the Vikings. That is not the case. I think the Vikings have a very good chance to win this game, and with the Saints favored by 7 Seven, that would surprise me if they win by that much. So I'm going to take the Vikings to cover. And you know the Vikings don't even have to win. All they have to do is not lose by more than, more than seven. Even if they lose by seven exactly, then that's a push. So I'm taking that game all the way. Minnesota has won three of their last four matchups versus the Saints. So yeah, I'll take Minnesota. Dolphins, minus three versus the Raiders. So the Dolphins are favored by three. I think they win by more than three versus the Raiders. The Raiders... Just lost to the Chargers, who can never finish games. The Raiders have lost to plenty of teams they have no business losing to. They almost lost to the Jets until uh, the all-time worst defensive call ever in an NFL game, pretty much. Got Henry Ruggs that Hail Mary touchdown to win the game. So the Raiders are not a team I ever have confidence in at this point. Like They play the Chiefs really well, but that's a division opponent. They kind of built their team to be able to go against the Chiefs, which is cool. But you got to be able to beat everyone else too, John Gruden. And uh, it has not been great. It has not been great this season. So I have no confidence in them beating the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins' defense is going to give them fits. I think the, the Dolphins' even uh, offense will be um, good enough. Good enough to get it done in you know with complementary football to- towards their defense versus the Raiders. So I like the Dolphins to cover minus three versus the Raiders. That's the second bet. Third one. Colts minus two versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. This Steelers team may be the worst 11-3 team I have ever seen. They were the worst 11-0 team I had ever seen. And that still reigns true. I mean, they lost to the Bengals. They lost to Washington. And they lost... Mm, what was the other game? I don't remember. But they, they're just not winning games right now. Oh, it was uh, the Ravens, wasn't it? I can't remember. But they're, they're not winning games. You know, th- dropping three straight and... It, it doesn't seem like they're doing much differently. And yes, also, they have lost a lot of people to injury. That's part of it. And I mean, that's still the case. It's not like people are coming back healthy for this game. So, you know, with all of the linebackers that they're missing, especially, it's going to be very tough for them to beat this Colts team that's probably going to run with Jonathan Taylor. And Giovanni Bernard was not efficient 
in this Monday night matchup versus Steelers. But Jonathan Taylor is much better than Giovanni Bernard. And if they're just giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor, taking the shots to T.Y. Hilton when they need to, I and their defense is going to make this Steelers offense that's been struggling, 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 struggling. The best defense in the league, in the Colts, now because of Pittsburgh's injuries, you can say that about the Colts, is going to give the Steelers offense a very hard time. So I think this game has potential to be very low scoring but I see the Colts winning either way because the Colts are able to put up points because of how good their running game is and being able to you know work off of that with the passing game so I like the Colts a lot to cover minus two they'll win by at least a field goal versus the Steelers and this one was surprising to me the Rams well I guess not because the Rams just lost to the Jets but the Rams are favored to lose so the Seahawks are favored in this game versus the Rams Rams are at plus 1.5. I think they cover that. I think the Rams win. I think the Rams win this game. Okay, why would they lose to the Jets? Brandon, they just lost to the worst team in football. They just lost to a team that had not won a game the entire season. How are you going to take them? To, To beat Russell Wilson, who also buried the Jets. Well, let me tell you, that was the ultimate trap game. And what really is the essence of a trap game? The essence of a trap game is you look at a team that you are clearly way better than and you think it's an easy win, and you look ahead at your next opponent. That is exactly, exactly what I believe the Rams were doing. They looked at the Jets. There's no way we lose to the Jets. We're way better than the Jets. The Jets have no chance to beat us. We have a matchup versus the Seattle Seahawks that we are basically neck and neck with to win the division, to get home field advantage in the playoffs. We have to beat the Seahawks. So let's just not worry about the Jets. We'll beat the Jets. And they've been prepping for this Seahawks team for two weeks. And with the Rams prepping for the Seahawks team for two weeks and coming off the loss to the Jets, they are going to be pissed off and they are going to be ready to go versus Russell Wilson. And I think they win this game. So with the Seahawks favored, I would take the Rams in a coin flip straight up. And the Seahawks are favored by one and a half. I'm taking this game for the Rams to cover. And lastly, the the fifth one is Eagles versus Cowboys. The Eagles are favored by two. I think they win by more than that. And I'm not going to lie, finding my fifth favorite betting line was tough. I was between the Eagles here versus the Cowboys. I was between the Chargers, Broncos, and there was an over-under I was looking at as well that I liked. But I ended up going with the Eagles minus two versus the Cowboys. Here's why. The Cowboys will not keep up on on the scoreboard with the Eagles. And if you look... The Cowboys scored a lot of points versus 49ers. The Cowboys scored a lot of points versus the Bengals. But the Eagles defense is better than both of those defenses right now because the Eagles defense is reinvigorated with Jalen Hurts in at quarterback. They're playing with a purpose, playing determined, and this is the most important thing. The Cowboys have dropped lots of points in their last two matchups on the back of turnovers. Six turnovers, three in each game. They got three turnovers versus the Niners. That set them up for very good field position all three times. Same thing versus the Bengals. The Bengals fumbled the ball, I think, on their first three drives versus the uh, versus the Cowboys. So what do the Eagles not do with Jalen Hurts? Turn the ball over. If this was Carson Wentz, completely different story. But we know that Jalen Hurts is starting. And Jalen Hurts does not turn the ball over. He is very smart. He is decisive. When he doesn't have something, instead of forcing a ball that gets intercepted or taking a sack or something ridiculous, he gets out of the pocket, runs, gets one or two yards, and then goes out of bounds on the sideline and lives to play another down. That is how you should play when you have the ability Jalen Hurts has. He's playing smart. He's 
been very effective. He's been pretty decent as a passer. I don't expect any turnovers from the Eagles offense in this game versus the Cowboys. And if so, and even if they turn it over once, maybe even twice, I think the Eagles win this game handily versus the Cowboys. So I'm going to take the Eagles versus the Cowboys. And that wraps up the five favorite betting lines. So just to go over them one more time, I have the Vikings covering plus seven versus the Saints. The Dolphins covering minus three versus the Raiders. The Colts covering minus two versus the Steelers. The Rams covering plus 1.5 versus the Seahawks. And the Eagles covering minus two versus the Cowboys. That's the five favorite betting lines. Hopefully we go five and zero. Oh. I would be fine with four and one. Three and two is all right, but we're shooting for higher than that. And uh, with that said, guys, this is the finals. Good luck to you. Good luck to you. Send some good luck my way as well. Reach out to me with any start sick questions you have. Trust me, I, I feel your tilt. I feel your tilt. Everyone is tilting. All the experts are tilting in this week. This week makes everyone overthink everything. So it's not just you. Don't think that you're overthinking stuff because honestly, I don't know if there's such a thing when it comes to fantasy football. Fantasy football is crazy. There's so many factors to think about. So reach out to me if you want. Have a good one, guys. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor. Peace. Thank you.